Welcome to Journeys of Teaching. I'm Aaron R. Gearhart. This week, we are exploring the journey of Dr. Jay Purcell. Jay is an associate professor of teaching and learning at Illinois State University in Normal, Illinois, and holds a doctoral degree in curriculum and instruction from Illinois State. On the last episode, we heard Jay's stories about how he drew upon his positive high school experiences and role models to become a high school English teacher and later a teacher educator. On this episode, we will conclude by discussing how Jay has developed his gradeless approaches to assessment and feedback. For Jay, the heart of the issue was purpose. Are teachers there to give grades or to foster student growth and motivation? To empower them. Jay faced this issue as a high school English teacher in Arizona several years ago during a conversation in class. I watched your TED Talk um, last night and this morning, and um, what resonated, kind of what you took away from each of those teachers was like effort for the sake of effort or what was there to achieve within that content or... I guess yeah. giving your best, not for grades, not for points. Um, those teachers seem to motivate you. And that's kind of the, the spirit of the message I took away from your talk. And, you know, the things that I see you post on Twitter about kind of anti-formal grading and things like that. Yeah. I want to give you a very brief background on what I've tried to do with my practices. So I learned the the badge-based approach from Robin when I was co-teaching with her as part of my, we had to do that like three credit hour, like residency project-based thing for the doc program where you had to like have a project that wasn't a class. So I co-taught with her and learned that from her. Yeah. One of the last couple of years I was teaching third grade before I transitioned to my role. Now I tried, I wouldn't call it standards-based grading, but it was my attempt at it within the formalized structure of, how we had to report grades. Right. And like the parents always seemed to be the ones that fought back on it. It was never the students. They were like, wait, I get to try again and you want me to grow. And it's like, I'm not being penalized. That's pretty dope. Like let's do more of that. The kids loved it. I use the badging system still with my undergrads and my graduate students here. And they don't always know what to make of it at first. They're like, wait, there's no points. What's that mean? And we'll have a long discussion about it. And like the way I set mine up and it's sort of like you had a model in your Ted talk for like the different tiers. And I kind of do something like that where it's like, if there's eight possible badges in my course, eight would equate to an A, seven a B. And I said, really, this is arbitrary. It's because I have to report a grade, but you know, you're here because you want to be a teacher or you want to be a better teacher. So we're going to do these things for the sake of doing them. And I'm under, I'm working on the premise that you're all here for that reason. Maybe that's a, presuming too much on my part sometimes, but it more often than not tends to be the case. Um, but yeah, the, the alternative grading approach for me started in, in high school. I think in the Ted talk, I talk about like, like that moment, it was like a definitive moment for me. Um, so you were teaching an English class because I remember the story you're talking about. Maybe yeah, you could kind of briefly rehash yeah. it here just for capturing it on audio too. I mean, it's so vivid for me. Um <clears throat> It's like, it's like those moments, the challenger explosion was like that for me too. Okay. Um, or nine 11, you know, like those moments that are so impactful for you emotionally that yeah. like you, you, I mean, I can see exactly those moments in my mind, you know, as clear as day right now, this yeah. was one of those moments. I mean, certainly not as tragic, um, and no loss of life involved, but for me, it was like one of those just moments that got right to my core. And I, I remember, well, it was Arizona. So it's always pretty warm there, but I mean, it was like spring, uh, the students could feel 
like the energy of summertime coming like on the horizon. Mm -hmm. I mean, even though it doesn't get all that cold in Arizona, like the weather was getting warmer. I mean, it was just like right around the corner. Everyone could like feel it. You like feel it in the room. There was this energy. And then I said, here's our like final project of the year. And I rolled it out for everybody. And it was like, just like a total buzzkill. I mean, I just killed all the energy in the room, just totally deflated student right in front. I'm just raised his hand and was like, Mr. Purcell, how many points is this worth? And I mean, like I'd heard that question before, obviously. Right. But, but in that moment, like in that context, uh, and he was, he's an excellent student, you know, I don't remember what his grade was probably an A. Um, but I was looked in his eyes and I could tell like, that's not the question he was asking. What he was really asking is, do I even need to do this project at all? Right. Or can I just mail this one in and forget about it entirely and still have my grade be okay. Now he didn't verbalize any of that, but just in his eyes and just the look on the face, like, and knowing that he had a really good grade to begin with going in, like, I could tell that was what he was wanting. Like, do I even need to do this at all? And it just like, again, like was that frozen moment in time for me where I was like, what, why am I doing this? Like, why am I creating these projects and having my students do them? Like just to have them, you know, submit them to me for points or, you know, do them because they have to, or choose like, Hey, it's not worth my time to do this, or I have no interest in doing this. And so like I said, that was right at the end of like a spring semester. I think it was 2005. Okay. Um, and so then that summer, like I was super motivated. I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. Like, and, and my thought was, I have to get rid of the points. Like if I eliminate the points from my, my grading system, then students won't be doing assignments just for points. They'll have mm. to be doing them. You know, my thought was to make them as, as high quality as they possibly can make them. Be intrinsically motivating. Yeah. I tried to shift the focus towards that. And I did so by eliminating all the points. And I, uh, along with a colleague, uh, now Dr. Lance Huffman, um, who was, was alongside of me, we sort of like did this together and, and bounced ideas off of us. And it was like this great, um, time of camaraderie and collegiality as we sort of like designed this grading system, the one that I rolled out, um, there in the Ted talk, which at first was really, really raw, you know, and, and, and evolved over the years, but, and I call it just, I guess the no points grading system. Um, but it was really designed to encourage students to produce their very best work that they possibly could without any points. Um, and I don't know if it was the best. I like it the best, of course. Um, biased, I know. Um, and maybe I understand it. Um, and people from the outside have a difficult time, I'm sure. Except maybe all my students going through it. They did not love it at first, uh, like you're talking about. I think probably because it was such a derivation from everything they'd ever known. And um, the way that Lance and I set it up, I mean, we really held kids' feet to the fire in the fact that, like, um, it sort of depended on their, their own, um, their own skill level. Like we could literally meet them where they were at. And so a student who, you know, was really strong rider might submit something to us that was, you know, just okay. But we knew that they were capable of much more. I mean, we would send that right back and be like, no, you have to, you have to really ratchet this up. If you want to exceed, we were always looking for exceeds, which is, I know the term that assessment experts don't like, um, because in rubric form, like, uh, it's a, it's a bar at the end of the day and you're trying to get them 
as high up as possible. Right. Or as opposed to a rubric making the bar a literal bar that you right under or over. But we really tried to use it in the way of like we would give them all the requirements that they needed for the assignment. And then we'd be looking for something more, mm-hmm. something else. And we would try our best not to tell them what that could be. Um, but it could be like any other way to make this assignment stand out, you know, um, including an interview with their mother. Like that wasn't part of it or like submitting it as a painting. Like that was way different, you know, something, (laughs) something unique and original either embedded or the way that they presented it or something like that, that, that we refused to tell them, which they hated. Um, because I think again, students are sort of like, um, conditioned to just like, do what they're asked or I literally have those conversations now yeah. with my students where they're like, so do you want me to do Google slides? Like you can, right. What are some other ways we could do this? And they're like, right. they don't, they, when they're given choice, maybe they're not given enough choice sometimes. And so they don't know what to do with that. Right. And that's where they, that's where my students were at, where they suddenly had all this choice and freedom. They were like panicked. I mean, panicked now as they move through it, I, I think that they became more comfortable in it. Right. I know that several of them reported that, that by the end of it, they really liked it. You know, some people did not like it, but you know, some people never, never enjoyed it. They just wanted to get back to what they know, but that's what it was designed to do. It was really designed to promote uh, creativity and thought and critical thinking um, and get students to, to produce the highest quality work that they possibly could. And from my own experience, and I'm assuming why I'm asking, did you find that practice compared to your colleagues that were maybe doing more of a traditional approach? Did you find that it was quite disruptive? And like, what was that like for y'all when you started integrating this as a big difference, like, I guess, format? Yeah, it was a, it was an awesome time. Um, (laughs) Like like I said, like when I think back on my career, I mean, I think back on those years specifically as they jump out as some of the, the real highlights of my whole career. And I think it was, it was that camaraderie like between Lance and I, and and we had a really good English department that was um, really collegial, you know, within a school that that had this great uh, school uh, environment or just mm-hmm. <clears throat> culture. It, it was awesome. Um, <clears throat> and so they kind of like knew that we were doing this. Okay. And so every day the discussion would be like, well, how's it going? You know, I think they were more interested, you know, we need to see you fall on your face a little bit, maybe yeah, no, not see us fall <laughs> just curious, just like, what are you yeah. doing? How is it going? And some of them would try like certain elements. I remember, um, <clears throat> especially from the outside, they're like, well, we want to do this like part of the time. And so they would, they would literally try and do this part of the time, like within their points-based structure. And then that did not work at all. Like you kind of have to like buy in, right? Exactly. And that's what, that's what I found out quickly. And that's what I told them. I was like, like, it is, it is a complete shift. It's a totally different paradigm. Like you can't, you can't try and straddle that because that would just collapse. Like neither one will work that way. And, you know, I, I don't mean to be like, set an ultimatum or anything, but, but you really have to like go all in. You have to, you have to completely go on it because as soon as you have any kind of a point or percentage based structure, like then that's all it will be. It will all ultimately like fall back just into that. And that will become the bottom line. Um, A a couple of things that I really want to get in there is that back then in Arizona, in the classroom, I remember it was probably like two weeks in when a student came up to me and she was like, um, Mr. Purcell, what, 
what percentage do I have in this class? Mm-hmm. I got <laughs> and, an email like that last week from a student. Did you? Yeah. And I, I, I was caught off guard and I was like, oh my gosh, you don't have one. <laughs> and, and I hadn't even like realized that like, you know, going through that whole summer when I was working to like reconstruct it, like it never dawned on me that there would be no percentages. You're like flying without a net at that point. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was like this ultimate freeing experience for me where I like felt like I had no net. I had no, I'd just been cut loose, you know, and you had no percentage. Like it was almost as, as shocking to me as it was to the student, just because like that hadn't really been my focus. My focus was to remove the points, but I didn't realize that by doing that, like I would take away all the percentages too. And then, yeah, I was, I was detached at that point. I was off. What did the student make of that when you're like, Oh, she was nervous. I'm sure like she had a a level of anxiety and I was trying to say like, don't worry, it's going to be okay. (laughs) You get all these M's and E's, you know, and it'll ultimately like work into a, um, a computation, which will give you a grade. She's just like, what, what are you talking about? Yeah. I think, I think going through it, they found that. And as the teacher, I, I saw that too, like the level of, of work just kind of like here and then just steadily just ramp up, you know? Yeah. And, and, and that's hap- that's what happens when you give them the chance to revise and not just revise like, oh, well, I'm going to turn it in the first time and just like, and I hear students say this all the time. Well, I won't even try on the first time because I know I can revise. I would also give students three. I'm a big baseball guy too, like three strikes, you're out. So like, mm-hmm. okay, you want to do it once? Like, there you go. Right back to you. Redo. Um, do it again. Like, okay, well, like redo. <laughs> and then, because this is still not good enough. Um Unless uh, between meets and exceeds, like they could stop at meets if they wanted. They didn't have to revise it again. But if they wanted to revise it again and really make it top quality, like then they could do that again. And I don't know. It was a great time. Yeah. Uh, The other thing I wanted to say just yesterday, I was telling teacher candidate, oh my gosh, because we just came through our assessment and grading. Now, Now I've lost what it was. Oh yeah, there it is. Um, so I was, I was asking my teacher candidates just last week as we we're going through our grading and assessment uh, unit, like, how do we do this? How do we, cause, cause my assumption is that they all want to be teachers. My assumption is that they want to become teachers because they want to um, make a difference in students' lives. They want to inspire students. They don't want to become teachers because they love giving out points, right? They want to hand out a bunch of letter grades uh, that they love getting points when they were a student. And so like, that's what they want to do. Like, that they never ever say that. No. But as soon as you're into that situation where your classroom is governed by points and percentages, then that's the bottom line. That's all it will ever be. And so I asked them, like, how can we shift that focus? How can we make the most important thing the learning in the classroom as opposed to the points and the percentages? Because students are just circumventing the learning to get points. Right. Um, even if they like the learning a lot of times, like they'll do a little bit of it, but really they're just trying to get through it. So they can get to the points. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I guess you could go through all these different attempts to try and make the focus, the learning, but as long as those points are there, I feel like that's going to be the ultimate factor, the bottom line of the classroom. And so the best way to do that, I think is just get rid of them entirely. (laughs) And then the only thing you have left is the learning. And then that can be the focus. And I'm not saying it's easy. No, it's yeah. not. Like it's, I, it's a total commitment, and um, yeah. it's like constant on a daily basis. But if that's really what you want, like if you want your class to be focused on learning, that's what 
in my mind, is the best way to go about it. And it's it's a very almost it, I don't know if this is the right word, but it's an almost very courageous choice that you have to intentionally make, which you did when you were in Arizona. Yeah. A lot of the infrastructure of the way education is traditionally done and still done works against that. And we could say that like standards based grading is becoming more prevalent. I would argue there's good and bad ways that's being implemented too. that kind of get right back to, I guess, points and grades and report yeah. card and thing like what would I know you had a pretty supportive environment for it when you were it sounded like when you were in Arizona like in what ways have you been challenged by implementing this uh, form of maybe growth based and focus um, uh, feedbacks like I'm trying not I'm probably butchering the way I'm saying it but like the way that you've gone about your grading it have you run into any like hurdles that you've had to navigate whether it was like a institutional thing or a system thing or just pushback from stakeholders? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, like, you talked about the students a little bit where they're like, not sure what to make of it right away, but anything yeah. else like that? Um, yeah, the administration that I had was supportive of it. And I, you know, I'm grateful for them that they allowed us to kind of like do this at the same time, right there in 2005, uh, you know, mastery learning was all a buzz, you know, with yeah. those and so our administration was really caught up in that. And it was my principal that was like, you know, what you're doing here is mastery learning. And she was the first one to really like connect that for me. Right. Um, so, so she was behind it. And now then we started it. <laughs> like when you, when she's trying to like give report cards and traditional, you know, the traditional reporting system of grades, like, right. and it just didn't correlate to that, especially early on in the semester. Cause like, well, nobody has enough to qualify for an A at this point. It looked like the whole entire class was failing, you know? And so she was like panic, like you've got, you know, 20 people failing your class. Like what are you going to do? You know? And, and it's really tough for, you know, an administrator, I think to, to hear a teacher say, I know, I know it looks bad right now, but just <laughs> it's going to be fine. <laughs> like, and for an administrator to like say, okay, like I trust you and, and sort of like go on that ride. And then, like I told you, I, I just sort of saw that curve by the yeah. end of it. Um, you know, almost nobody was failing the class. There was, you know, a couple that, that never quite made it, but, um, but by and large, their grades were fine or even better than um, they were in traditionally points-based systems. Um, but there were some rocky times uh, along there. Um, challenges, like I mentioned, student anxiety, kind of like going through the roller coaster ride with it, mm -hmm. but then ultimately being okay, I think, by and large. Um, parents, I never received much parent pushback, which I really anticipated I would get. Yeah. But really... I think they wanted to know just what does my student need to do to get in that? Like yeah. they care less about points or percentages or standards or whatever. Just mm -hmm. do they know what they need to do to get an A? Yes. Fine. Then we're going to make sure that they do it, you know? And um, well, those that had um, parental family structures that were, that were conducive to that, you know, uh, that was what I received the most maybe because those voices were the ones that were represented at parent teacher conferences and yeah. like that, that, or, or reached out, you know, specifically trying to figure out, Hey, what is going on? I'm hearing some, some weird things about this grading. Uh, but at the end of the day, it was just like, what do they need to do? 
okay, we'll do it. Right. Um, which I was kind of, I don't know, pleasantly surprised by, I guess, because I expected a lot more uh, pushback. Maybe some, maybe I expected the pushback like what we've seen in a lot of uh, schools and districts that have gone towards standards-based grading and encountered a bunch of um, pretty motivated and powerful p- parent pushback, um, maybe just because they don't understand it or they think it's aimed at the wrong things maybe, or, or I think really just because they didn't, they didn't experience it themselves going through right. school. So they don't know it. <clears throat> and, you know, as teacher educators, we often talk about, you know, the fact that everyone feels like they know what it's like to, to be in school or to teach school or to be a student in school. Cause well, they did it themselves. They've all been through it. Uh, but this is an area that they've never been through. Right. This is, this is something that they didn't experience, you know, and, and of course being a student now <laughs> is way different than it was being a student then. And I think times are always changing and cultures and climates always um, evolve or change. Um, and you throw in a global and, pandemic on top of it. I mean, these are going through um, things that none of us ever did, but even could ever imagine, I think so. And I would almost think that the, the grading that you're talking about, these approaches would almost be more fitting now, like post COVID or endemic times, because we do have to meet those students where they're at. We throw this term around, like I hear learning loss when I go in a lot of classrooms and I just feel like, if we meet them where they're at, we focus on growth. You, you're looking at it in a completely different way. Like, what what are we here to do at the end of the day? Say that they're not at that benchmark. Well, they've had a really unfair context the last two years to even get to that benchmark. So what can we do to start an upward trajectory? Yeah, I like how you mentioned that about growth. And I do think that that the pandemic shown a bright light on on the fact that especially traditional grades you know maybe don't hold a whole lot of meeting um, right and students just kind of going through a transactional experience in school to get grades like that that doesn't hold a lot of validity and you know it's unfortunate that i think it took um a global pandemic to really show us that um and i'm not saying that the pandemic was good at all because I don't think that it was, but one sort of like, um, I guess outcome of it was, I think that it showed us loud and clear that the traditional gradings is mostly by and large meaningless. Um, and especially for a student sitting on the other side of a computer screen or a tablet, you know, trying to do assignments that, that didn't really have any value for points. I mean, it was just like, no. And then especially like when grades were sort of like frozen or just eliminated, like it really, I think opened the door that like, yeah, like we don't have to uh, sort of be governed by grades in this way unless we choose to. Um, and I really commend administrations that are considering uh, grading reform efforts mm-hmm. um, you know, that are taking on standards-based grading. Um, there have been various approaches to it, you know, and some have been successful and others have not been successful for other reasons. Um, but I know of administrations too that are that are taking a growth approach towards it where they're they're prioritizing growth in their students. And and I think that those are some pretty um well interesting and really um applaudable efforts 
because they realize like that this has to be about developing skills in our students. This has to be about increasing their knowledge and their competencies and their capacities as opposed to just compliance, like matriculating through a system yeah. like that. That is not at the end of the day going to be what we need. I mean, that's not going to produce the, the citizenry that we need right. um, in our society, especially now trying to deal with all these challenges and problems. Like we need students that have skills rather than students. that just, <laughs> I'm thinking of the, the phrase that I've heard so many times that we talked about earlier, where a student says, Hey, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Right. I mean, I've heard that literally verbatim so many times, like, uh, especially when we were using that no points grading system where it was like, we would not tell them what it took to get into that top category. We were looking for them to come up with something. Um, and, you know, that was their big complaint. Like, hey, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Like, is that the kind of citizens that we want to produce? Is that right. the kind of workers? because that's literally what the traditional grading system is, is just minting in our, in our students. And, and if nothing else, I was working to, to break that uh, mold. Um, and I, I commend all those educators and all those administrators, especially that are sort of like cultivating that kind of a, not even a growth mindset, but a growth performance um, among their faculty and in their schools. I feel like too, what kind of speaks to me when you talk about it from like a systemic standpoint, it almost pushes us to ask different and better questions or more productive questions. Like on the student side, it's like, well, what if I did this instead of what do I have to do for the administrators? Well, we want to promote growth. They're not growing, doing it this way. Why is that? Is this not culturally relevant? Can we come at it at a more authentic way or do we need some additional scaffolding? I think need to be asking better questions. And if you, create a system that allows for those questions to be asked and then answered and solutions implemented. Maybe that's the bigger picture that folks need to see to buy into what you're selling, at least with and what I do in my practices too, with no points grading systems. Right. Yeah, no, I love that. That idea about asking better questions. I, I tell my teacher candidates again, you know, teaching, teaching isn't about getting the right answers. Teaching is about asking the right questions, right? It, it has to be because that's, that's the only way we're going to move our students forward. Mm-hmm. And I think my students, um, either in high school or even my teacher candidates now, you know, get frustrated with me because I, I almost always answer their questions with questions. Oh, I had a student almost yell at me a couple of weeks ago, literally because of that. And then she was like, oh, okay, I'm good now. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And if you just keep asking enough questions, eventually they'll arrive at an answer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, but I love that too. What you, what you just said right there reminded me so many times where I would have a student say like, Oh, is it okay if I, you know, do it this way? Is it okay? I found this cool program that I think might be good here. Is that yeah. all right? If I do that, yeah. you know, Hey, try it. Let's see what happens, you know, and, and seeing and those are those moments I talked about that are reciprocal. You see that light go on, not even just like an understanding, but a possibility. Yeah. Like, hey, I can try this. I never thought I'd be able to you know, run with this idea. Mm-hmm. Is maybe sometimes some of those ideas that are a little bit out of the box or that aren't prescribed necessarily are almost stifled. Yeah. But, but that's what we need. We need those ideas that are generative. Um, and <laughs> And I know this is pie in the sky, but, but that's what I wanted to really like promote and instill in my students. The fact that, Hey, 
I can chase that idea that seems maybe a little out of the box or a little crazy right now and mm-hmm. just see where it goes, see what it comes up with. And then, I mean, as you know, probably from those um, genius projects or, or whatever those unstructured projects were, you know, that's where we really do our best work. Right. Um, when we are, are chasing our creativity and we're uh, letting our imaginations go and just um, uh, trying to cultivate our talents. That's, that's the good stuff. And, you know, of course I've railed against traditional grading and points-based systems my whole entire career and probably my whole life. But, but I think it really does stifle that, you know, it it puts a cap on that and a limit. Um, The rubric is just like you go over to the, far side of the box. And then that's what I aim for. And that's it. Um, so I really try to dismantle that. I think as much as I could in my practices, what it boils down to is pushing teaching and learning towards to borrow a Turner phrase from Jay. What could be, we've been giving A's B's and C's for years and years to not try to think about assessment and feedback in a more holistic way is to do a disservice to the students and their families who depend on us and our schools. Stories like Jay's inspire me to continue pushing my gradeless approaches to assessment and feedback and my work as a teacher educator further and further. I want to thank Jay for sharing his stories of teaching on this podcast. You can follow Jay on Twitter at J.C. Purcell. Next week, we will explore the narrative of Mr. Jared Heising. Jared is a former middle and high school English teacher and current doctoral candidate and teacher educator at the University of Tennessee. My contact information is in the episode description. This is Journeys of Teaching. I am Aaron R. Gearhart, and thank you for listening.